This morning, if you'd like to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8 today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 8. Before I begin this morning, I want to tell you I got a Christmas present this year that was really nice. My mother-in-law, she got me this great big old book that says Super Remedies. <laughs> 1,649 shopping cart solutions to ease everything from an aching back and arthritic knees to a grumpy gut. Well, mine's usually grumpy if I don't have peanut butter. High cholesterol and much more. It is a book to solve all problems, Danielle, apparently. I just want to highlight some, if you don't mind. There's one in here for walnuts. Any of you like walnuts? Yeah. You like walnuts? Yeah. Cool, cool. Walnuts. All right. Walnuts are good for itchy skin. If you get into water and your skin begins to itch, then walnuts is really good for you. They are loaded with valuable fats that will keep your skin from itching when you get in the water. Very interesting, huh? It's also good for high cholesterol and heart disease and brain fog. Brain fog. It'd be good if I had some walnuts this morning since I'm going to be preaching, right? How about... Oh... Here's one I like. Guess what it is? Peanut butter. Yes, here it is. It's in the book. It's got to be good for you. It's in the book. All right. Now, peanut butter is good for brain fog. That's the first thing they mention. So see, the more I eat peanut butter, the less brain fog I actually should, should have, according to this book. Helps with heart disease. And did you know peanut butter is good when you get injured? Isn't that interesting? Because uh, it says here, if you've been injured, you need to get enough protein in your diet to help heal damaged tissue. So if you get hurt, your muscles or something, eat some peanut butter. I've been telling you people, peanut butter's important. <laughs> All right, how about, how about, oh, here's one. Chocolate is probably the one sweet that most women and men can't do without. Come on now, help me out this morning. Somebody say amen. I mean, we're talking about chocolate. You obviously don't want to eat too much. It's not exactly light on fat or calories, but a little taste now and then can do wonders for your health. Check it out. Guess, amen. Come on, Brandon, help me out here. Chocolate's the way. Guess what chocolate helps with? Brain fog again. I think in this book, Ms. Lisa, they probably just put a bunch of food and every one of them helps with brain fog. <laughs> it also says that chocolate, uh, drinking a frothy cup of hot chocolate made with pure cocoa powder or eating an ounce of dark chocolate with a high cocoa content does more than stave off winter's chill. Cocoa is rich in, in flavonoids which have been shown to prevent oxidation of LDL cholesterol. So, uh, lower your LDL by eating chocolate. I mean, man, I'm liking this book. I don't, I don't know about y'all. This is a good book. It helps relieve stress. So, I thought before I started preaching this morning, I'd make sure I was ready. Whoo, I'm getting rid of the brain frog, baby. I'm making myself healthier. This is delicious, by the way. Thank you. (laughs) 
See, I only did this because my wife's not out here. Last time I ate in front of people, boy, she gave me down the road. How dare you eat in front of everybody? You're up there preaching. You've got that food. I may need some water. <laughs> I didn't think about water. Whoo! Hello. There goes the brain fog. All right. But we do often, we often look for remedies for illnesses, don't we? I mean, as we get older, we get a visitor show up at our house named Arthur. And Arthur sticks around, arthritis. And he is like always there and it's hard to get up, it's hard to move. Our fingers hurt, our knees hurt, our elbows hurt. There's other sicknesses we get. There's this one sickness right now that it's scaring everybody in the world that's going on. There are sicknesses like cancer, there's colds, there's flu. There's a lot of things that go on that make people sick. And in these sicknesses that we have to deal with, because I am sure, I'm not a genius, but I play one on TV. I would probably venture to say that if I asked a question, have you ever been sick? Let's just see how many in this room's ever been sick. 100% of you, 10 out of 10 people is going to raise your hand, I've been sick. At some form or level, you've been sick. It's part of the human condition. It is actually a sign of the fallen state of man of what sin did to us when it entered into the world. Where our bodies are not perfect, we get sick. But here's the interesting thing. We've all been sick, but where is Jesus in all this sickness? How does he fit in? How do we deal with sickness on different levels? There's sickness that is physical and outward, and there's sickness that is inside. There are sicknesses of the mind and of the heart and of the body. And every sickness is very important, and God cares about every one of them. Can I tell you today that you can go get you one of these books or borrow my copy if you'd like to look up something that may help, but I'm here to talk today about the greatest healer that's ever lived, and that is Jesus. And how does he fit into our sickness every day? Dr. Tony Evans actually said, if you live long enough, you will discover that the world is booby-trapped with hurts, disappointments, and the unexpected. We will get sick at some point. Most of the encounters we read in Scripture of sickness with Jesus had to do with some type of terminal illness. There was someone blind, deaf, lame, dead. You don't get more terminal than dead. I mean, these sicknesses he encounters that's recorded in Scripture are ones that we would have to declare a miracle was performed to go beyond the state of where they were at. What's very interesting also, uh, we read in Scripture about when Jesus began his ministry, he began to preach, but he also, if you read the rest of chapter 4, you begin to find out that he also, in, in verse 22, it says he healed every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. Every kind would mean internal and external. It would mean a cold. It, it would mean cancer. It would mean blindness or, or deafness. It, every kind and every kind of sickness, every kind of disease. But here we are in 2020, and how do we understand Jesus in the age of this virus that is in China? How do we understand uh, Jesus in this age of cancer 
and cancer treatments and flu and flu vaccines. How do we understand Jesus in the midst of all this? And blessed is the man who gives a, a, a cup of water in the name of Jesus. Thank you for having my back, John. Now that the brain fog is gone. God does not answer every prayer for healing. Not in the way that we would want or the way that we would expect sometimes. But I want us to dive into scripture and I want us to specifically because here's what's happened. So far in the book of Matthew we've seen the birth of Jesus. We, we've seen Matthew quote a lot of Old Testament scripture. He's really pointing the, the real essence of the author of Matthew is to point to this idea that Jesus is king of a kingdom. Last week I talked about the kingdom agenda and about the kingdom. So in the book of Matthew we see that John the Baptist is baptizing. Then he is arrested. Jesus is propelled into his ministry. Chapter 5 of Matthew, he gives the Sermon on the Mount that many of us have read or heard. It is a sermon that people will look through, read through, do devotions through. It teaches us a lot. And then on the heels of finishing that sermon, we come to chapter 8. A large crowd had gathered because of Jesus' teaching. And at the end of chapter 7, we see that this large crowd, they were perplexed and amazed at his teaching. He was teaching with authority. Chapter 8, verse 1, when Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. I want you to picture this now. There, here's Jesus coming down, and there are large crowds all around, them, uh, around him. Keep that in your mind. Because, look, and a leper came to him. Now, I want that to sink in for a second. Jesus is surrounded by a large crowd of people, and a leper comes to him. Now, let me tell you what happens when a leper shows up in the midst of a large crowd. There is the parting of the people. Because when a leper shows up, that's the last place a leper was supposed to be. That's the last thing a leper was supposed to do. But this leper decided, I must go to this man named Jesus. A large crowd is following after Jesus. And verse 2, and a leper came to him and bowed down before him. I want you to keep this in mind. This leper that was an outcast in society, that was, a, that was pushed away, that was pushed out, that had to live isolated from everyone else. All of a sudden, this sick man takes a risk. He takes a risk. That's the first thing about the sick. The sick takes a risk. See, he was not supposed to be there. He was not supposed to be around those people. He was supposed to stay with the other sick people. But yet, this leper said no. I must go to this man named Jesus. And he took a risk. And the second thing that he did. Verse 2. And a leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Let's really look at what the leper says here. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Number one, the leper would not have been there unless he knew Jesus could do something about it. I mean, he was convinced this Jesus can do something about my sickness and my leprosy. So he comes to Jesus and he says, 
If you're willing, you can make me clean. But I don't want you to miss that most important statement between making me clean and Lord. If you are willing. He did not just simply say, heal me and make me better. He submitted himself to the will of God. He submitted to God's will right here. If it is your will, you can make me clean. I already believe you can make me clean. You can do it. I've got the faith. You can take care of business, Jesus. But I submit to your will if that is what is in your plan. So he takes a risk. He submits to God's will. But there's another truth that we're going to see in the next story of healing that is introduced into this chapter. Jesus does say in verse 3, he stretched out his hand and touched him. Okay, what did he have? Leprosy. What's the last thing you do with a leper? Touch them. But Jesus reached out his hand and touched this leper and healed him and made him well. And then Jesus did something very curious. Jesus just didn't heal him. He told him to go and do exactly what you're supposed to do. Present yourselves to the priest so that you can be considered clean. So that you can be among the rest of the people. He just didn't make him clean. He instructed him and encouraged him to continue the journey to make sure he could be around other people as well. Verse 5, this is where the next one comes in. Not only do, did the sick take risk and did they submit to God's will, check number verse 5 out. And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him and saying, This centurion is a Roman soldier. He is, he is over 100 soldiers. He, has, he is a man of authority. He is a man who has control. He is a man who calls the shots. He is a big dog, if you will. He had the right and the authority to make things happen. And so this centurion could very well have said, I want you to go and talk to Jesus. This centurion could have said, you know, he's a Jew. All this stuff's got to be fake. I'm staying home. But no, this centurion, with all this status and power, leaves where he's at and goes into the midst of the Jewish people. When Jesus enters into Capernaum, the centurion came to him. And this centurion said to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully Tormented. I want you to understand his servant wasn't just a little sick and didn't have a cold. He was fearfully tormented, the New American Standard uses as the, the adjectives to describe his condition. Fearfully tormented. This is a servant of the centurion. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said... Lord, I am not worthy of you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. <coughs> the leper had faith that Jesus could do something about it. The centurion had faith that Jesus could do something about it. For I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, 
I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and recline at my table. Verse 12, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the darkness, into the place that was weeping gnashing of teeth. Verse 13, go, he says, it shall be done for you as you have said, as you have believed. Here is a centurion. He took a risk by going out there and asking this Jewish man, which he was over because he, his entire group, the Romans, were oppressing all of Israel. He goes out there and asks something of this man. And he understands, look, I'm a man of authority. And what he is saying is you have authority. Not only do you have the ability, you have authority over sickness to do something about it. So see, the sick takes a risk. They submit to God's will and they submit to God's authority in these two stories. We go on and right after that, there's someone else that is sick. It is Peter's mother-in-law. She is in the bed sick. Jesus just walks into the house. She is in the bed with a fever and she's sick. And Jesus walks up and he heals her. And then we read just right after that where people from verse 16, when evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with just a word and healed all who were ill. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. I'm here today to declare to you that Jesus is in the midst of your sickness every day. He is not absent when you are sick. He is there. If the sickness just lasts a few days or if the sickness lasts months or if it lasts years, if it's something you were born with, Jesus is there in the midst of of your sickness. See, God is, is healing here and He is revealing His will, His authority, and His action in each of these stories. But there's something I want you to grab hold of. That if you need healing today, the way of healing may vary. But the source of healing is the same as it was yesterday 10,000 years ago, the source is Jesus. The way may vary, but there's only one source, and that is always Jesus. I may find some things that may help me. I got some charcoal tablets at home that I don't know if any of you have ever heard of charcoal tablets, but if you've got a stomach ache, if something's going on with your stomach, you take some of that charcoal, 99% of the time, I feel better pretty quickly. It's an amazing thing that God created for us to take that I never would have thought about taking charcoal. That would be the farthest thing from my mind, but it really does work. But can I tell you, even when I feel better, I can either attribute that to Christ or to that pill. Now here's, here's what someone said one time. A friend said to them, you were healed by faith. Oh no, this person said, I was healed by Christ. What is the difference? He says there's a great difference between the two. I thought I would have to work up to the faith, so I labored to get the faith so that I could be healed. When I thought I had gathered it, I said, heal me. Because he was trusting his own heart and his own ability to have the faith to receive the healing. I was asking the Lord to do something for me because of something in me. Not because of something in him. 
There is a huge difference. We cannot approach our sickness with just the idea of, well, I just don't have enough faith. Can I tell you, your healing has nothing to do with your faith as much as it has to do with Jesus Christ. He's the one that's going to bring the healing. You do not have the ability to bring the healing. But faith is important. How does it fit into this? See, the difference is this. If I have... If I have this idea that if I can just have enough faith, I will be healed, then I've got faith in faith and not Christ. Does that make sense? If I have the faith in Christ to bring the healing, then my faith is placed in the right place. And I may have to take a risk. I'm going to submit to his will and his authority in whatever and however he deals with that. See, we must be aware that there are false teachings that will say that you can just name it and claim it. You I have literally heard on the TV someone preaching and teaching and people probably believed that if you were a good enough Christian, if you just had enough faith, God don't want you sick. He don't want you sad. He wants you happy. Can I tell you, that's not in my Bible. God's desire for us is holiness. We can find happiness through that. But if you get sick, it means you're human. It means that You are like the rest of us. But in the midst of that sickness, what do we do? The healing will come from only one place, and that is Jesus Christ himself. See, faith looks different in healing in different situations. For instance, the leper, the leper had faith himself. He had faith that Jesus was going to change him, so he took a risk and he went out there. It was a one-on-one Transaction. You got that? The second one, think about it. What role did the servant play? The words, I believe, was that he was, he was, what did he say? Fearfully tormented? That was the role the servant played. Who was the one that came to Jesus with the faith that Jesus could do something about it? The centurion. So the first one was a one-on transaction. This person had the faith and Jesus did something. The second one, someone else had the faith and Jesus did something. The third one, very interestingly, verse 14, when Jesus came into Peter's home, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. There's no conversation. There's no transaction. There's no one pointing it out. Jesus walks in, sees her sick, walks over and touches her. And she is made well. And then we get to the last one where it says people were bringing people who were sick and demon-possessed to him. Demons were just done by just a word. So here's my point in this. This is a truth I believe God's getting across, that the way of healing may be different. There's not one just form that you follow to find healing in your life. Here's the beautiful thing. Here's what I love. Jesus would heal people and it wasn't always dependent upon the sick person's faith. It was dependent on the faith of those who loved the person. We can see this over and over. The paralytic, these men grabbed this paralytic man, took him to the house, tore a hole in the ceiling and put him down. They had faith that Jesus is going to do something so much they're going to interrupt what was going on. They're going to tear a hole in the roof and get that sick person there. Here's the thing. Maybe you do not have the faith. Maybe you do not have the strength 
Maybe you feel like, I just, I just don't know. I've been sick for so long, I don't know. Yes, I will mentally say that Jesus can heal, but in my heart and in my emotions and in my soul and spirit, I'm going, I just don't think He will. Even though He can, I just don't think He will. What do we do with this conflict? Jesus brought it about differently. But at the basis of every one of them is Jesus. He brought it about. And as we look at these, we have to also remember when Jesus left the earth and went to heaven, there were still sick people left on earth. His purpose and goal was not to heal everyone but to bring salvation to everyone so that one day they could be in a place where there would be no more sickness or crying or death. So as we look at this, I want to remind you that the greatest, the greatest antidote for the sick in this world is the church of Jesus Christ. For we believe Jesus to be the Messiah and the one that is divine. He is the one that brings healing. He is the one that we come to and cry out for others. So what must I do with this? What must I do with, with this idea of Jesus in the midst of sickness? Uh, some of you are sitting, sitting here and you've been dealing with something all your life or for, for several years. Some of you are dealing with hurts and, and aches and pains that you've never dealt with before and they're cropping up because you're getting older. Some of you... You know, you're waiting to hear from the doctor exactly just how bad you are sick or, or if you're not sick. There's some of us in this room dealing with sickness. There's some of us that's feeling the best we have ever felt in our life. We're feeling great. We're not really dealing with sickness. But here's something that every one of us can do. All of us can stand in the gap for someone who needs healing. All of us can whether we're sick or we're well. Jesus saw this centurion come up and stand in the gap for his sick servant who was at home. There was, he stood in the gap for Peter's mother-in-law who was in the bed. She didn't come to him. Peter didn't come to him. He just walked over and took care of business. The leper, he could have stayed home. He said, no, I need to go. So he went. But here is something we can do as believers in Jesus Christ. We can stand in the gap for a people. The sick can be internal. It can be external. It can be known. It can be unknown. It can be physical, mental, emotional. Sickness comes in many different varieties and shapes and forms. But can I tell you, at the root of sickness is one word called sin. It's not because a person sins that makes them sick. It's because Adam and Eve, there is sin that entered into the world that caused us to be living in a fallen world that sickness is now part of our DNA. But let me tell you, there are people sick in sin today. There's not enough Christians sick and tired of sin. But there are people sick in sin today. They are separated from God. They have pushed themselves away from the church and from God's people. And they're living lives that are contrary to God's word. And, and they think that they've got it and they're on the right path. But they're sick. 
There are prodigal children that's run away and they're sick. There are people who are dealing with issues that is beyond our comprehension that doctors can't find cures for and they're sick. But there's the one thing that we can do and that is stand in the gap for them. Here's something that the enemy would always use. It is the gap in the wall. Any crack in the wall, if there's any gaps, the enemy would want to use that. In, in olden times, there, were, there would be a, a wall, there would be a building. And one of the main things they wanted to do was create a crease, to create a gap, to create a space so that the enemy could infiltrate and get in to destroy the city. We have an enemy that wants to get into the gaps of people's lives and sicknesses that they are dealing with. And he wants to get in there and he wants to destroy them. He wants to destroy you and I. And whenever a wall would get a gap in it and the enemy was charging, you know what would happen? They wouldn't just go over here and fight and go over there and fight. They would come together and they would close up that gap. They would close up that gap and they just wouldn't run over and then go bang, bang or shoot or whatever they would do and then run away. They would stand there and they would stay there and they would stick it out because they were doing it for all the people behind them so that the city would not be overtaken by the enemy. Sickness can create a crack in our lives to begin to let the enemy come in into a place because I don't know about you, but when I get sick, I don't feel like doing anything except for laying in the bed or sitting in my chair with a warm blanket over me. And I begin to think and I can get depressed and I can get down and start going, well, does anybody care? I just want to grab some water. You know us men, we become big babies when we get sick. Any ladies want to say amen, you got a free reign right now. You can just say, no, uh -huh, that's what I thought. <clears throat> that's okay, that's okay. I understand. But the thing is, when we love somebody, we try to take care of them when they're sick. We as believers in Jesus Christ need to stand in the gap for the sick that are in our life. For the sick who are separated from Christ, that's number one. Those who do not know Jesus, they're sick because of their sin. But number two, those who are physically sick or emotionally sick, mentally sick, we need to stand in the gap for them. What does that look like? Somebody might, might want to write this down. What does it look like to stand in the gap for someone? Number one, recognize there's a gap, that there is a need, that someone is sick, they're hurting. You recognize there is a gap. Number two is that you, you answer the call to fill the gap. You answer that call. You go, you know what, there's a gap there in their life. I'm going to be the one to stand in that gap. Number three, be specific. Be specific about the gap that you're feeling. Maybe it's, it's that they're feeling depressed or maybe they're suffering with cancer or maybe they've got the flu or maybe you know, they're away from home. You know, This woman's son has run away and, and, and they're praying for him to come back and you want to stand in the gap and you want to specifically pray for that son to come back to them. That's being specific. 
So you recognize there's a gap. You answer the call. You be specific and you be persistent. You will not find anybody who fills a gap who just runs up, says a quick little prayer and runs away. That's not filling a gap. That's not being in the gap. That is planting one foot on one side and one on the other and say, here I am and I am here. And I'm going to pray for this person. Here is an idea that I do. I did it for one of our kids who's having a hard time at school. Someone is really bothering her and it's really created a division in her and she's depressed. She's down. She don't know how to deal with this. So I told her this last week and I'm going to do it again tomorrow. I told her this morning. I'm going to set my alarm on my phone at the top of every hour. I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to pray for this little girl. Then I'll go back to doing what I'm doing. That's an idea of how you can stand in the gap for someone. Just simply saying, oh, I'll pray for you does not mean you're standing in the gap. Because I can say I'm praying for you and say one little prayer and not even think about it again. That's not standing in the gap. What I'm talking about, like what the centurion did, what, what the sick people need, for them to know that Jesus is there, they need people who will stand in that gap and say, I am not moving. I'm going to keep praying for you. I'm going to take a risk by doing this. I am going to submit to God's will. God... I know you can. It's your will whether you will or not. And I submit to your authority as the one who can do this. James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 says something that's not very Baptist. I know y'all are wanting to know what in the world. Many of you did not grow up Baptist, so you're going to be like, well, I don't even know what you're talking about, so it doesn't and, and, and for you, it don't matter. But there is something that I have in my pocket that most Baptists do not. In fact... I've had it in my office too long, and now I'm going to continually carry this. This, this is oil. This is anointing oil. Most Baptists will not carry this, and they won't use it. I have a story for you. There was a little girl who was very, very sick, constantly was having problems. She wasn't growing fast enough. She was always in and out of the hospital, and her mom called me one day. She said, would you anoint my little girl with oil? And pray over her. I want the people in the church to do that. I'm a Southern Baptist. Come on, man. We don't, we don't go in for this oil thing. So you know what I did? I went and got me some oil. <laughs> I went and got me some oil. This woman and her family came, and I anointed this little girl with oil. And I prayed. And the church prayed. I want you to know that that little girl's health completely Change 180 degrees. It's not because of my prayer and it's not because of this oil. If you have faith that this oil is going to heal you, this oil is going to do nothing but get you slimy a little bit. James chapter 5, verse 14 says, Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. I carry this oil, and I use this oil because the Bible says, Mark, call on the elders of the church, ask them to pray for you, and anoint you with oil. And, okay, this is Delonica. Bob and Nebby, I'm going to have me some. <laughs> this is not a magic potion. 
There isn't something like that's contained within this that's holy and it's going to be magic and change everything. But here's what it does. It causes you to take a risk to absolutely submit to his authority and say, God, it's what you will. But I'm going to come believing that you can do something great and I'm going to take this risk. The last thing that you can write down is trust in God's will, not the outcome. Trust in God's will, not the outcome, particularly the outcome that you want. I have, I have outcomes that I would like in people's lives. But God's will for their life is much more important than what I desire. This morning, it boils down to that we must pray and we must seek God and stand in the gap for other people. We must not put on God our expectations, but submit ourselves to Him in our sickness. Here's your seven-day challenge. If you're ready for this, man, this is going to take you to a new level. Your seven-day challenge. For the next seven days, maybe you want to do a different person every day. Maybe you want to do the same person all week long. But for the next seven days... Fast and or pray. Yeah, I said fast. Have you ever fasted for somebody else? Some of you have. Man, let me tell you something. When someone sends you a message or texts you and say, Hey, I'm fasting for you today because I know you've got this stuff going on. Man, that's standing in the gap. When someone says, I'm praying for you every hour today because I know you are going through this, that's standing in the gap. What, I, what, what your seven-day challenge is for the next seven days, pick somebody. I'm not saying for a month. I'm not saying for six months. Pick somebody this week and stand in the gap for them, specifically for them, for their healing. Whether it's something they're dealing with mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, Maybe, maybe somebody has a son that is rebellious and has run off. Maybe you need to stand in the gap for that son and let them know, I'm, I'm standing in the gap with you for the next seven days. Let me tell you what I'm believing. I'm believing God's going to do something. God's going to do something because God's people are coming together to absolutely stand in the gap and believe. Now this morning, this is going to be weird. Y'all know I'm not weird. I don't do anything strange. I have oil right here. And maybe today you have been sick. Maybe you've been suffering with something. Maybe you have, you're dealing with worry, anxiety. Maybe you've got financial problems. Or maybe you know someone who's really suffering and who really needs some healing, who needs Christ in their life. Whatever it is, there's going to be a team of us up here at the front. And if you'd like to be anointed today, the oil's going to be right here. And then more importantly, if you will come and let someone pray for you and stand in the gap with you for whatever's going on. That's the invitation today. We care. We want to be there with you. We want to help you with this. That's what God's people is to do, is to bear one another's burdens. Don't try to carry it alone. Would you come today? so that we can pray for you or pray for someone that you care about as we stand and as we sing. Father, this morning, Lord, your spirit is here.
And the same power that you had when Jesus was on the earth and he healed people and raised people from the dead, the same power you had when Elijah laid on that young man and he came back to life, the same power you had that, that departed the Red Sea that the children could cross on dry land, that same power has not diminished but is just as great today as it was then. Lord, unleash your power in this room right now in the name of Jesus. May people feel your spirit. May you bring healing into their life. May you heal their mind, heal their hearts, heal their emotions. Lord, for you are God and you want to heal. Your word says that you care. You keep track of every tear that is shed in the darkness of night. Lord, you don't want people to walk away the same. You want them to be different and transformed. Lord, your power is here. Lord, that leper would never have been healed if he hadn't stepped out and taken a risk in the midst of all those people. He never would have experienced healing. Lord, we cannot do this on our own, but only through the name of Jesus Christ. So Lord, today, may you be glorified. May you heal and may your spirit and presence be real right here. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.